Yeah, it's so good. It's so bad that it's good. That is the wrong answer, actually. <laughs> it's just a wild romp. I am feeling this. Yeah, yeah, yeah! All of them! What are you talking yourself into? I'm trying to talk myself into that. This is what this podcast is for. We're also trying to talk you into it. Thank you for listening to Talk Me Into, the podcast where a group of friends try to talk each other, and maybe even you, into liking what we like. This week is The Sixth Gun. My name is Jeff, and one time my summer camp took us to the movies to see Free Willy 2. As soon as the movie started, my best friend Steve started to violently vomit, ruining the field trip for us all. Thanks, Steve. My name is Jimmy, and I flooded out a leased car. My name is Dan, and Jeff and I used to throw a yearly Festivus party that would occasionally get too emotionally and physically painful. <laughs> a lot of people didn't understand that it was just not real. Yeah. Like, they took it for real. The airing man. of grievances, people would say a lot of hurtful things. I've never been invited to any of these, and I'm kind of glad I wasn't. You were a little too young. I was young, young at the yeah, time. We did yeah. it for like four years in a row. Yeah. And like one time Dan actually got really hurt by a friend <laughs> for like being overweight. Yeah. It was really sad. <laughs> Some good things came out of it too, though. We we talked, we really harangued Jeff about not owning a car for like a full year. <laughs> yeah. That was fun. And we had to wrestle each other during the feats of strength. I got... I don't want to talk about it because <laughs> um, I always had to do it because I was the head of the household. Yeah. But um, let's bring yeah, it back, guys. My uh, yeah, I don't want to talk. about this. <laughs> so, Jeff, do we have any reviews, ratings, emails, anything we like that? We do have reviews that I can't find, but they're right here. OK. Five stars from Koskov. Great show. Great show with a neat concept, and the hosts have a good rapport. They treat each new topic fairly and give everything a fair shake. Highly recommended! Exclamation point. Ooh, thanks. That's a good one. Wow, I appreciate it. We have another one. Should I read another one? Do sure. it. Sure. Let's do We're this. We're gaining Un- popularity this week. Another five star review left by Austin two four three. Great podcast. The fluid conversation and nature of this podcast makes it an easy listen, and the topics are always interesting. Definitely a great dynamic between these guys. Two exclamation points. Ooh. Wow. I like it. Make sure you guys send reviews, emails, tweets, all that stuff, and we're going to read it right here on this section of the show. With this much high energy. Yeah. And put many exclamation points. It is the fuel that keeps me going. Oh, that's sad. Yeah. Hey everyone, this is Dan, the host of Talk Me Into that likes to talk about things. I want to talk to you about something that's very important to the future of this podcast. We have signed up on Patreon.com to receive a small amount of financial support to keep the podcast off the ground. So, if you got some extra dough, throw it our way. We have a $1 per month level where you can get access to exclusive merchandise, early episode topics, show notes, visual archive, and more. The litigator level at $3 per month gets you all that stuff, plus mini Patreon-exclusive Talk Me Into episodes and access to the audio archive of our previous podcasts and old band music. And for $5 per month, you become a partner of the podcast. You get everything from the previous two tiers, 
plus exclusive full-length Talk You Into episodes, video archive, quarterly Cook With Us episodes, and You Decide episode topic polls. So if you can find it in your heart and in your wallet, please throw us some dough and we will make it worth your while. Patreon.com slash TalkMeInto. Thanks a bunch. This is the part of the show where we're talking ourselves into things or we're talking about why we're talking ourselves into things <laughs> and all of that fun stuff. Um, could be any anything that's not a huge topic that we don't want to do a full episode on because it's a little goofy. Uh, this episode, I have been talking myself into a beverage substitute called LaCroix. Oh. Beverage substitute, so it's not a beverage? <laughs> well, it's a substitute for soda. Healthier gotcha. alternative. Yes. On the count of three, what is your favorite LaCroix flavor? Uh, One, two, three. That's too fast. <laughs> One, two, three. Tangerine. Oh, I was just going to ask him. Jeff, you suck. Why would you say one, two, three for one person? He could just say it whenever. No, I like the line. I love how Jeff proposed it and didn't give a response. (laughs) Oh, the peach one is probably mine. Peach is pretty good. What a letdown. They're all good. Um, But yeah, I like I like peach. Um, But yeah, I'm trying to cut out the soda, the soda, trying to live live a healthier lifestyle. And uh, I like the bubbles. I feel like the bubbles are as close to it's a very carbonation. Very effervescent. Yeah. yeah. It's close It's close to the carbonation of like a can of soda, it's in my opinion. It's got a nice sting to it. I, yeah. was a, I was a LaCroix boy for quite a while. Yeah? You like it? I'm off that fizz game now, but yeah, it was good. Mm. Uh, bigger question, is it LaCroix or is it LaCroix uh, for our friends up north? I don't know. I just I say LaCroix. They, they just came out with a cola flavor. And Ooh. it is repugnant. That sounds dreadful. <laughs> that sounds pretty bad. Yeah, it's like the essence of a Pepsi. It's yeah. weird. But yeah, I've been liking it. Um, I've been trying to cut out the soda, so that's what I'm doing. Mm. Dan, what are you talking yourself into this week? I'm talking myself into going back to New York City more. Okay, yeah, yeah. man. I like this one. I love the Big Apple. Yeah, and the reason why I say going back is because there was a, a few years there where Jeff and I we're frequenters of the New York metropolitan area. Yeah, I go a few times a year myself, mm-hmm. sometimes for work, sometimes for pleasure. Yeah, so it's been a while since I went, and a couple weekends ago, you know, I started saying, like, oh, when the weather gets nicer, I want to go to New York, and weekends are just so busy, there's always something going on, like stupid podcast recording and stuff. <sighs> um, so last weekend, I got home from vacation a little bit early, or I guess this was two weekends ago. And I had like an extra day with nothing going on. So I woke up in the morning and decided, eh, I'll go to New York City. Yeah. So I hopped on a train right here in my hometown in Naugatuck. Two hours later, I was in Grand Central Terminal, kicking back. It's so majestic. Yeah. I had nothing planned. I grabbed some food. Made, me, made my way down to the theater district. Making your way downtown. Yeah. Walking, walking fast. fast. Faces past and I'm homebound. Um, and I happened to notice... A huge line of people making their way into um, the play. I forgot the name of the play that I saw. <laughs> to Kill a Mockingbird. I saw a huge line of people <laughs> making their way into the play To Kill a Mockingbird. I wasn't even there, and I knew. Yeah, starring Jeff Daniels. Yes. And um, I walked up to the guy who was taking tickets, and I was like, oh, are there any tickets available? And he's like, Oh, you can go in right here and ask the box office. So I walked right past the line of people that was mm-hmm. like 200 people strong. I went up to the box office. I was like, you have any tickets left? He's like, uh, I have one if it's just you. Um, 
It's like $198. And I was like, no, no thanks. And then as I turned around and walked away, he said, oh, sir, sir, my coworker said we just had one cancellation. It's in the balcony, but it's, now I don't even remember, but $28, something like that. <laughs> it's a big difference. Yeah. Yeah. So I was like, oh, that's fine. I don't care where I sit. I wasn't even planning on going. Mm-hmm. So I went in, sat down in literally the last row, last seat of the last row, like all the way in the corner. But the play started. It was awesome. Written by Aaron Sorkin, starring Jeff Daniels. It was really good. Mm-hmm. I had not read the book prior, and I was really enjoying it. Then at intermission, one of the, um, I forget what you call them, the people in the aisles. Ushers? Yeah, one of the ushers came up to me and was like, oh, are you by yourself? And I said, yeah. And she said, I had someone leave early in my section. Would you like to upgrade? And I said, sure. So she moved me up (laughs) about eight rows and to the center. Dope. And I finished the play in a much better seat. Nice. And I don't want to ramble on too much, but the moral of the story is go to New York City because anything can happen. (laughs) I did not plan on doing any of that stuff. And you just escaped the blackout by like an hour. Yeah. Yeah. I was almost got stuck. Not even an hour. I was on the train home looked at Twitter and saw blackouts happening all across Manhattan. And I was like, oh, that is lucky. <laughs> yeah, because yeah, that would have been very unfortunate. Yeah, I love the city. There. Yeah, Keep up I mean, with it. I went two days after that uh, with the family and we had a great time just yeah. doing touristy stuff. Nice. I don't like doing the touristy stuff, but it's it's okay. To it's do one fun day. seeing the bewilderment in a 12 year old's <laughs> eye as he floats by the Statue of Liberty. You know, I've been to New York City probably, I don't know, 20 to 30 times, maybe even more than that. Never have I once seen the Statue of Liberty. Mm. You got to make it a thing. Yeah, I, mean, I, I when, feel when like I, was, I should. When I was a kid, my dad had just a small 15-foot boat in uh, southern Connecticut, and mm-hmm. we would just like... Must be nice, Richie Rich. It was it was a little dingy, basically. <laughs> and, you know, we, we would just like go down to... Mm-hmm. You could see the New York City skyline. You could yeah. see the Twin Towers. It was really... You were a member of the Long Island Sounders. We were the Long Island Sounders. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, we live close enough. Everyone around here should do it. You never know. You never know what's going to happen in the Big Apple. Yeah. Jim, what? uh, We already did, Jim. Jeff, what are you talking yourself into? I am talking myself into cooking paella. Oh, that's right. It's a recurring theme on Talking Me Into. If you've been listening to it, we got a free paella pan. And then uh, these two boys, last time we recorded, afterwards, we made ourselves some paella. Yeah, we did. Took a little video of it. uh, And we're doing a series of videos. What are we going to do, like four a year, maybe quarterly? Something like yeah. that. We're calling it Cook With Us. Cook With Us Paella. First video up on Patreon.com slash talk me into. And it's like, Jim, I'll admit, when we were recording, I was like, we're wearing like ratty clothes. <laughs> Jimmy's just kind of walking around. Like, I don't know what the hell this kid's doing. Me and Dan are cooking all the food. Yeah. Like, we don't know what's going on. And then Jimmy's like, hey, I edited this. Here's the link. And we watched it and I was like, wow, this is good. Yeah, he polished that. Yeah, he did. So if you want to see that, there's a free preview up. Yes, there is. If you want to put the link in the show notes. It's on my my YouTube channel. But also just the paella, like you'll see us cooking it. But it was a lot easier than I thought. It wasn't bad. It it wasn't. It didn't come out like perfect spoiler alerts, but it was really good. (laughs) We did get that Socrat at the yeah, bottom of that. Yeah, it, it was good. And it's just like some things that you think are so difficult to cook really aren't. Like we didn't, this knowledge wasn't passed down from like our grandparents, you know. <laughs> it we, was genetically. Well, I mean, yeah, okay. Uh, we just read a recipe, you know. You could just follow recipes just step by step. Do it. Just get your ingredients prepped. Mise en place. 
get them ready to go. The worst thing is when you get your, your pot nice and hot and you're ready to go and you're like, Oh, I forgot to do this. And then you're, you just ruined the day for everybody. Your family hates you. Your friends hate you. You're getting fired from your job all because of this. Yeah. It's a, you know how many there paella related suicides there are every year? Yeah. Not many, but there has to be at least one. Like statistically, there has to be one in some universe. But it's worth the risk. Cook paella. Cook paella. You could throw in anything. Just get good muscles that aren't half dead. Yeah. Six Gun is a comic book series put out by Oni Press. From 2010 to 2016. Oh, it's over? It's over, man. It's over. Yeah, it's uh, consisted of 50 issues. And then there were a few miniseries on the side that tied into the main story. Some background and some characters. Mm -hmm. Really good. Um, Every issue was written by Colin Bunn. And most of them were illustrated by Brian Hurt. There was uh, another artist uh, for a few issues. Three issues of the 50, Tyler Crook. Mm. Did a great job filling in for those issues. Um, How I got into this is a little weird. So the comics industry does something every May, the first Saturday of May called Free Comic Book Day. Mm -hmm. And it's a a really good program that started maybe 10, 15 years ago that all of these comic imprints and companies will put out a free comic. Mm -hmm. So you show up to the store, you get a free comic, and then, you know, little kids... They're reading comics for the first time. Comic fans will it's get a great free introduction. Issue. It's a great introduction. It's like the record industry does it with record store. Day. Mm-hmm. Except so, they don't give them away for free. Correct. I mean, yeah. there, there's different things. I mean, not every single comic store has a different way of getting it's out the promotional. Comics. The point is, sometimes there's duds. Marvel might put out like, here's a preview of something that's coming or DC used to like to launch event series with. A oh, free yeah. Comic book the day. Blackest yeah. Night one was great. So they get you sucked in. So Oni Press put out the first entire issue, the full issue of the six gun. I didn't. The only thing I read on Oni at this point were some Kevin Smith comics. It was like they put parts. it out on free comic book day is what I think you're trying to say. Yes. You just said Oni they put Press. it out. I've, I've man the context yeah. of the conversation. The <laughs> listener, I'm assuming, isn't as dumb as I am. And they just figured that it was a free comic book day, free issue given out so yeah. only press didn't really read much on it i had no idea who colin bunn was at the time he's since gone on to be working with marvel he's put out a bunch of good stuff a lot of independent series too i really like his writing and um i picked it up now free comic book day dan we used to go all the time jimmy we used to go all the time mm-hmm. you come home with just a pile of crap oh yeah half the stuff you like half the stuff you bought because it's cheap and you don't know what it is the other half you're like this is garbage so flash forward like six months to a year talking to my friend toby toby if you're listening hello you're probably not but what's going on man and we were talking about comics because he he used to be in comics not really into it i gave him some recommendations i'm like hey man check out powers it's dope and he was like hey you should check out the six gun and i was like oh that sounds vaguely familiar i know i have this issue somewhere so i go home my comics are just an unorganized mess at this time i mean they still are Hmm. but at this time they super are i'm digging i'm digging i can't find it And then I find now, even with comics, I don't like, I always took good care of them. Right. Cause why not? They're going to pay for my kid's college one day. Right. (laughs) If your kid is an ant and college is an anthill. (laughs) Then I I found this single issue behind my desk crumbled up. And I was like, 
what the hell? And then I remember that's like some, some Adam comic treatment. For some reason, <laughs> some maple syrup on there, there too. There was a day I was a different man back then. I was very angry at something, and I just grabbed whatever and <laughs> threw it across the room. And it happened to be this issue of this comic series that I grew to love. So I have this comic that's worth like thirty dollars now, crumbled up. Nice. Um, and I read it, and I was like, "Wow, this is really good." And this was right before New York Comic Con one year. So I go to New York Comic Con. I find out Colin Bunn and Brian Hurt have a table. There's about eight issues out at this point, and they have issues two to eight for sale. And I was like, I'm going to buy them directly from these guys. So I buy them. They sign them all. They sign my crumbled up issue one. And uh, <laughs> you didn't buy a new issue one. They didn't have it. Oh, yeah. So so I bought them and I read this this story, this trade we're about to read now. And I was just instantly hooked. Added it onto my pull list at the comic store because this is a still a small label. It's not one of those comics that is just put on a shelf sometimes. So you got a from, special order from this, that baby. point on. I got every single issue till the end, every single mini series, and it it just really grew on me. I just love everything about it. The art style was incredible because it was like is really really uh, I don't want to say simple because it isn't simple, but it's kind of like cartoony. It's cartoony art, but there's some like dark stuff. There's a lot of gore. There's a lot of just really this fantastical stuff going on. And the colors are insane. This first trade was colored by Brian Hurt, but then uh, Bill Crabtree colored it for the remainder of the series. And he did just a bonkers job mm. um, throughout the series. It's just this one cohesive, really well-made story from issue one to 50 and all the issues in between from the same creative team. Um, some of the miniseries were actually... Uh, written by Brian Hurt and illustrated by artists with similar styles. So even with different artists, they throw their own little twist on it. Um, and it was really good. And since it's over, I know that like, if you guys are talked into it, you're not going to be talking to this long thing. You know, there's mm-hmm. a dozen trades out there. I'm sure. You can get them digitally as a finite ending. Yeah. And it, it's, it's a solid story. It has an ending. It didn't get canceled. They knew issue 50 was coming and they wrote for it and they did some, some crazy stuff that comics don't all some t- comics is a great format and a great medium. Comics are a great format as well. <laughs> they is. <laughs> uh, um, they are a great format uh, that recently have been getting a lot more respect due to mainstream movies, <clears throat> popularity, mm-hmm. but it's, it's somewhere in between novels and television. Um, it's not. And, and the art definitely is a huge um, component of the storytelling and i even though i don't read comics much now i still love the format and i think it's a beautiful way to tell a story and i think that the sixth gun does it near flawlessly it's probably my top it's definitely my top five comics of all time wow jimmy do you have any exposure to the sixth gun um i don't have too much exposure to it i remember jeff talking about it on ic3 podcast that um that dan and jeff were hosting at the time and i remember dan making fun of the author's name colin bunn because it sounds funny i almost made fun of it again today (laughs) um he's a nice guy yeah sure i'm sure he is with a funny name but um yeah i don't know anything about it other than the fact that i knew that you really liked it at the time and um i remember he's talking about how there were guns and they were supernatural. Yes. Um, but yeah, other than that, I don't remember. I don't, I never read it. So. I did successfully talk IC3 co-host Dante into it. And then we nerded out about it nice. over the years. Yeah. I'm sure that frustrated me. Dan, do you have any <laughs> other exposure to it other than Jeff talking no, about it? No, I have heard Jeff talk about it. I know it's a Western. I've probably seen the issues laying around here or there and suffered through endless 
conversations. <laughs> uh, but yeah, um, I'm I'm interested in it because I like westerns and I like comics. Jeff, do you have any specific reasons why you think Jimmy or I might like it? I just think that you both like comics, right? We read Paper Girls. Mm-hmm. Jimmy talked us into it. Um, we love Saga. We we like a lot of the same comics, the same themes. Yeah. Dan, you talked us into Deadwood, which is you know a, a western, western, which is pretty adult themed. This is this isn't as you know extreme. There's not there's no swearing and stuff. There's some graphic visuals, mm-hmm. but um, we all like supernatural sci fi kind of stuff too. Yeah. And it's just a, a very well done story that I think you two will both enjoy. Okay, so we're gonna take a break and read. Issues yeah. one through six of the sixth gun. Which is book one. Oni Press does a cool thing where their first trade paperbacks of their stories are only 10 bucks. So this I got when I was in New York City last week because I have the single issues, but I got this so uh, these guys could read it as well. 10 bucks, bought it at Forbidden Planet. Uh, book one, Cold Dead Fingers, can, comprised of the first six issues, the right. first full arc of the sixth gun. Okay. And we encourage you guys to read it at home. And when we come back, we're going to find out if Jeff was able to talk us into it. yippee ki Mr. Falcon. Yeehaw. Are we ready to go to the Wild Wild West? Or yeah. The Wicked Wild? Wicked, wicked wild, wild Wild West? Wicked Wicked Wild. Jim West. Jim Desperado. West. <laughs> Rough Rider. <laughs> No, you don't want not a none of this. Six gun of this. Oh, I see what you did there. Okay, so we read the six gun, uh, the first trade paperback, uh, chapters one through six, as it says in the trade. Yes, and um, I think we're gonna go chapter by chapter because it's it's about a single issue, and each issue is pretty self-contained. Okay, let's do it, huh? So, like it. chapter one. Um, we are introduced to this man. I don't remember if his name has been um, said in the beginning, but as we find out, his name is Drake Sinclair. And um, we meet someone else first, though. Do we? I don't remember. The widow. I don't, don't remember. <laughs> we open up with the widow having a conversation with the Pinkertons. Yes, oh, yes, that's, that's correct. Which was a real agency, which I'm very yes. fascinated by. So I yeah. thought that yep. was a cool little detail. Yeah. And they are on the search for a gun of some sort. Mm-hmm. So first impressions that I had, it was the art. And I really like it. And you were talking about how in the first part, how you couldn't really describe it. I think I found my description of, it reminds me of a 90s Warner Brothers cartoon. Okay. Yeah. Um, I did it, say cartoony. So yeah. I'm it reminds me of like, uh, what was that? Freakazoid slash like. Um, Animaniacs. In, in Animaniacs. Faces, kind of, yeah. yeah. More um, detailed. And the eyes. The eyes as well. Um, but that's what it reminded me of. And I really liked it. Um, and I also thought um, the dialogue was pretty neat as well as we got a little bit of a glimpse into it. But um, plot-wise, uh, what was happening there? So, so then we did meet Drake Sinclair. Yes, yes. Yeah, yeah. And I guess I want to fold in my take on the art because I like the graphic nature of it and and how, I don't know, like it, it, I like that style like Cliff Chang of Paper Girls kind of yes. has too where things are simplified. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought, I don't know if it was with the the clo- the costume that, costuming that the characters wear or just the facial expressions but i had a little bit of a difficult time discerning characters apart Hmm. so when drake sinclair shows up at the hangman's tree i thought it was the same guy as one of the pinkertons from the first page yes i think that's why i was so i was a little confused by that um 
but we go on um so basically we have these two side stories that are running tangentially we have the widow and the pinkertons who are on the search for the sixth gun and we also have drake sinclair who's on the search for the sixth gun and he goes to this hangman's tree and communicates with these ghosts about where it's located and then it's supernatural real fast yeah yeah that was really cool i really love the well. visual imagery of that just all the ghosts hanging in in the tree i thought that was and he beautiful. makes them a promise and they're like we gave our end where's your end and he's like nah son and yeah. it just goes away yeah it seems to be like they're laying groundwork of a uh sort of anti-hero right type guy <clears throat> swashbuckler yeah you learn the kind of man that drake sinclair is literally in the first scene that he's in he said that's the kind of man i am and yeah i was like oh interesting um then we go over to meet becky and her father who is a stepfather preacher, stepfather who's a preacher he's on his deathbed yep and he's trying to give her a box to throw to the bottom of a well i think or a hole or something to get rid of basically as he dies and inside the box is a gun uh-oh and as this little handoff is happening the door is kicked in and the pinkerton agents are there and they're here for the gun as well and a shootout ensues and some of the pinkertons go down yeah mm-hmm. my first thought was is the sixth gun incapable of missing its target because it seemed like he was just killing everyone very easily. Then we find out later that maybe this preacher has a little bit of a past and knows how to handle his Mm -hmm. iron. But But uh, eventually he gets felled by an agent and the sixth gun falls on the ground. Mm -hmm. And while trying to defend herself, Becky picks it up. Becky picks it up. Yep. And then we start to get this idea that the gun is bonded to the shooter or to the person who wields it, however you want to describe yeah, it. Yes. So once once the holder of the gun perishes, the next person to t- touch it is bonded to it. So since she is bonded to it, another Pinkerton agent tries to take it from her and he gets severe burns and drops it. So mm-hmm. is that always the rule or... Yes. Okay. I thought they, it had something to do... I kept confusing it with the Harry Potter wand rules, which is that... The wizard who defeats you gains your wand. No, and and you you've obviously read this, so you've seen later on that people can die, and the gun falls, and somebody else picks it up. Yeah, so whoever touches it next is I bonded guess to it. I didn't I didn't really clarify get that clear. It doesn't make you invincible because <laughs> there's yeah. a lot of gun yeah. exchanges in this first trade. Mm-hmm. So um, you can see she's having some sort of vision when she touches this gun. We don't quite know what's going on yet. Yeah. But and the art style changes. So everything is tinted rose. Mm-hmm. Um, so you can tell that something is going on. She sees something. It's the future, the past. Who knows what it is? But as soon as she touches it, she sees. And then we sort of get a cliffhanger about the general. Yes. We're going to find the general. And... I thought that was fun. Um, we see him in his coffin, but he is very much alive. Yeah. yeah so as Jimmy calls him, he's the <laughs> creepy, spooky zombie man. Yeah. What did I say? Oh, yeah. The creepy zombie man. Yeah. Who's an outlaw and who's dead. Yeah. But he's not really dead, apparently. So that was a fun introduction issue. I thought it, you know, laid some cool groundwork and I mm-hmm. kind of like the world that they're living in. It's like the movie Wild Wild West, but good. <laughs> but it's like a Western with sort of weird sci-fi stuff mixed in. Yeah. So chapter two starts out and it's like this classic Western like saloon scene. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which I think the art was done really well. Like even the the colorist 
kills it in this series because mm-hmm. like back then things were lit by candlelight yeah and he does a great job of like showing that like if it's at night or outside or things are lit by torch mm-hmm. there's just a really he has these really warm tones at night or indoors mm. yeah and i think they establish a fun little crew here that we're going to be right. venturing with we've got drake sinclair who's sort of this uh good guy with a shady past We've got Bill John O'Henry. Who Bill we, John, my boy. We don't really know a lot about his past, but he's this sort sort of larger than life, loud, like bounty hunter type guy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then we've got Becky, who is the reluctant heroine, you know, audience surrogate type. Who got kidnapped in the last issue. We just glossed over that. Oh, I forgot about that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's a lot here. We're hitting the big beats. Yeah. So she was taken by the Pinkertons. Yes, yeah, so she's being held by the widow in the saloon. Who may and... not be a widow any longer. Yeah. She appears to be referring to General Hume as her husband. Yeah, and turns out he's still kicking, kind of. <laughs> he's in some sort of state of animation. Yeah. And then you have his, his like, generals, kind of. Yeah. His army who um, wield guns of their own. Mm-hmm. Yep. And... um It becomes pretty clear pretty rapidly that these guns have some weird powers, I don't think it's explicitly stated yet. Not yet, but you see some weird stuff happening. Yeah. One of the guys, uh, I forget his name, but he somehow seems to like resurrect spirits from the gun. Yes. Right. And those spirits sort of animate the dust and dirt of the ground and turn them into like golems, like these faceless soldiers sort of. So you eventually find out, I mean, we're going to spoil all of this. You eventually find out that that gun its power is that it raises these golems of people that it has killed. Yeah. And I thought that was a cool idea because how can I say this? Like if you want the, the main antagonist characters, like the general, the widow and his like sold in his like, you know, right hand men, if you want them to matter, you can't have them be killed early on. So you need like cannon fodder. You need bad guys like faceless right. thugs for the heroes to like shoot out, and, yeah. you know, on their way out of the saloon or whatever. Yeah. So they're literally faceless goons. They're like they don't have faces. They're just like sand people that the heroes can just blow away and have an exciting gun shootout <laughs> with. Yeah. Um, and then the general refers to Drake as a turncoat, which to me jumped out as further clarification that Drake was not always on the right side of the law. No, yeah. and you'll see that a lot in this entire series. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um he's like I said, he's a hero with a dark past. Anything else I'm missing big from this issue? Well, this is the one where you see Drake just puts a bullet between the widow's eyes. Oh she yeah. She don't die. Yeah. She's got a gun of her own. Yep. So she appears to have a gun like that everlasting life. Yeah. So yeah, like um, a healing ability. So Drake uh, finds Becky and uh, rescues her and and takes her out. And um, yeah, I don't really have anything else to say. I do have some overall thoughts about the issue. Yeah, what did you think about um, it? Overall, I thought it was an okay issue. I like the first issue better. But you got to see how um, one of the guys' guns brings back people back to uh, to be their henchmen, and I thought that was really cool. Well, yeah, and a lot of it was just it was a shootout. And yeah, I mean, yeah. comics are about 20 pages. Yeah. Um, and it was just done really well. Like you can read that quickly, but if you want, you could spend time and just watch the art. And, yeah. Yeah. So a lot of times, like especially when I was reading comics uh, with really good art, if we were reviewing for the podcast, I'd blow through it to get the story. 
then you can go back and just look at the art. And this mm-hmm. is one of those series where, you know, this is the second time that I've read this particular arc and like, it's great. I'm just really enjoying the art mm-hmm. and the choreography of the battle. It's done really well. Yeah. Yeah. I like the issue. I thought it was a fun little action issue. Um, I like the concepts that they thrown it through in, but I was really starting to want more backstory which I was pleasantly surprised that we get a lot of that in issue three. Yes. We get a lot of the general's backstory. And you get a lot of explanations about the guns and what they do. Yep. yep. Um, so we find out that the general was a Civil War leader who won basically like every battle, um, but he was like an evil man and there was a lot of rumors around him about how he was able to sort of like predict the outcomes of battles and stay ahead of everything and whether there was like human sacrifices and um, basically it all boiled down to these guns that he had been given some people said they were from the devil himself and um, yeah it was pretty cool and then basically like he there was a uprising against him that was led by the preacher which was Becky's stepfather Mm -hmm. and I guess they were unable to kill him but they were able to put some sort of, I don't know if it's a curse or what, but he's like all chained up in this coffin and buried in holy ground at, yeah. at the church that we found him in at the end of issue one. And uh, yeah, um, I thought it was interesting when they got into the, delved into the guns and what all their different powers were and stuff like that. Yeah, this was, this issue to me just felt like a whole lot of exposition, which I think is totally fine. Yeah, um, I, I don't, a lot. Yeah. It was needed. Yeah, I don't have any notes on this because it was literally just all ex, uh, exposition. There wasn't really a whole lot of plot that happened. Well, what the other guns do, I mean, I have it in front of me. I'll yeah. just tell everybody. Um, one of the guns strikes with the force of a cannon shell. It's yes. just like a very powerful, powerful shot. explosion. Yeah. Um, one of them spreads the very flames of perdition. Um, another so it one starts fires. Yeah, spreads a flesh rotting disease, which is oh, yeah, that was really a creepy cool one. one. And um, the one we talked about, it can call up the spirits of the men and women it shot down. And the one that the uh, the widow has, it um, it can heal any wounds, mm-hmm. right? So, like, you even see later on, like, her arm breaks backwards and it just yeah. heals itself. She gets shot in the head and, like, the hole closes and she stands up. And Becky's gun, she can see the past and what's to come. But yeah. it doesn't differentiate, so she just kind of has to know. And that's the general's gun. That's the sixth gun. Yes. And yes. that's why he's after her. He wants his gun back. Mm-hmm. And then you find out, I don't it's know. It's calling to me. What is, is it this issue or the next one where you find out that they need the six to unlock something? The I next think it's issue. the next issue. Yeah. So should we get, get right into that? Yes. Yeah. So the next issue there, um, Becky has a uh, revelation or something. I, she has a, a vision, vision. Um, of a place I don't remember what the place is called. It's called the Maw. The Maw, that's right. So they're going off to this place, and, and Bill John is like, oh, you shouldn't be going there. This is a crappy place. Yeah, before you go on, I, I want to talk a little about the Maw because I found it to be like a really interesting concept. First of all, the term Maw refers to like a gaping mouth, basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so I thought it was cool that that was sort of the imagery of the place. It was a, I think it was originally a fort that was turned into a prison by General Hume. Yes. uh, That was sunken underground. Um, And it was basically, so from the outside, it just looked like four walls and then it descended down, some say to the very depths of hell itself. Yeah. And then this one is also, we hear some booming or something and um, they're like, oh, that's thunder, but there's no storm. And that's when we get the introduction of the Thunderbird, which I don't know what it is, but it's fun. 
fucking cool. Wow. He <laughs> well, really likes that. See, this is where a lot of like the supernatural stuff really comes in. Like yeah. throughout the series, it's just a snowball. It gets so wild with this kind of stuff, just like out of left field. You don't you don't know what's coming. Yeah, I thought it was interesting um that well I don't know how to say this, but um it would be easy for this series to just have the guns being the supernatural thing right. and things that correlate with them. Mm-hmm. So like maybe the general gets his power from the guns and vice versa and stuff like that. But to throw in something that's completely unrelated but just exists in this world, mm-hmm. the Thunderbird thing is interesting. Um I also like <clears throat> when they're at the maw, it's you know, the prison has been taken over by the inmates now that Hume has lost his power basically. And um, when we get there, we find out that Sinclair maybe isn't such a good guy after all, that he seems to be motivated by a hidden treasure. Yeah. Um, and then we find out that this treasure that the vault is holding is something much worse than just gold or something mm-hmm. like that. Um, we also get a really cool backstory for the guns, um, where we see that basically throughout time, there's been these weapons that have been emblazoned with these symbols of each of the guns or these handles or whatever Mm -hmm. and they've granted the user's power that intrigued me the first time i read it so much that it was like one of the main things that kept me going right yeah because it's called the six gun it's about these six shooters you know but then you see like cavemen had like these clubs Yep. that had the same abilities and the and knights templar the knights templar with the swords and then like you think about the knights templar there's all this other like conspiracy weird stuff in yep. the real world with that and it was so intriguing to me like okay i need to know more about right this. Mm-hmm. the series could take a lot of different routes and cover a lot of different things oh yeah and specifically that sort of reminded me of the caveman issue of powers yeah which if you've read that it just shows about this rivalry between um the main character and his nemesis and how they're these eternal beings and they've been having this battle throughout the ages i just liked seeing that these weapons have been a part of us and part of human conflict since like the beginning of time Mm -hmm. that was cool um and then the issue sort of ends with um general hume and his compatriots rising up an army of zombies around the maw which it wouldn't be a fun indie comic without zombies that's like something that has to (laughs) happen I mean, like, okay, so it's it's easy to jump to the end, but like this issue has so much more. There's there's like another battle, the Thunderbird. There's these crazy battles, like mm-hmm. this outdoor nighttime battle with this huge Thunderbird, General Hume's army, the undead, our heroes, and it's just so well done. And like in this battle, some of the gun wielders are killed and Drake Sinclair picks up the guns. Yeah. So like there's there's this exchange of guns that's happening as well. There's it's so loaded in what looks like just like this frenetic energy that's going on in the art. Yeah, did I skip something? What what issue are we on now? Four. Oh yeah, I was talking about stuff from issue five. My bad. Oh. But it still stands <laughs> to reason. Um the fight with the Thunderbird was really cool. I like how they laid groundwork with the trail oh, markers. Yeah, you were. Episode or ish, chapter five is all about the mall. Yeah. And we meet Gord. Yeah, my bad. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, Sinclair getting the fire gun was cool. It I thought it sort of evened the odds out a little bit more. Now they're starting to get some more power on their side. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah. there's a really cool scene in issue six too with the widow and her hand gets cut off. Yeah, we'll get there. Oh, okay. I thought we were there. No. Okay. Did, did you have anything else to say about issue five, Jim? Since I jumped the gun. 
No, that was pretty much it. Um, I pretty much just wrote about the, um, I was like, oh, I wonder what's on the other side of the vault. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. Demons. Probably. Apparently. Um, so I guess we should get to issue six. The big battle, battle issue. Big mall. battle. Yeah. And to me, this was all about collecting one gun at a time. Yeah. yeah. It was about the, the the changing of the tide going from all the power being on Hume's side to these individual fights that led to more guns being on Sinclair and Becky's side. Got to get all the chaos emeralds. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I thought the Sinclair fighting through the pain to shoot the general was cool. Um, I mean... I guess I sort of like jumped ahead again, but um, the thing you were talking about, Jeff, where Missy gets like her hand was yeah. it chopped off. It gets chopped off and it like the tendons start to grow back. Yeah, that was And cool. it was like this really like weird John Carpenter thing kind of thing. But like in this art style, it makes it almost creepier yeah. because it, it looks like it should be child friendly. But yeah. it's like this really gory and disgusting visual. Well, yeah. it made sense, too, because if the power is being generated by the gun, then she wouldn't regrow a new hand because the gun was in the hand. So the hand regrew a new body yes. and then killed her old body, which is yes. weird. Yeah, yeah that, that was, was weird. Really cool. Um, that was a cool part. And then, so the next thing I talked about was, like I had mentioned, the showdown between Sinclair and Hume. Um, I thought it was a cool moment that he was able to fight through the pain of using the gun that didn't belong to him or had, hadn't bonded to him. But I thought the actual, like, shooting was sort of anticlimactic. Like, it just was like, bam, and then it was over. Mm. What what did you think of that, Jim? Um yeah, I, I didn't think the the overall big showdown was that cool, but we did skip over a really big part, which is uh, I think it, this is probably my favorite part of, and like the most emotional part. Yeah, the, the death of Bill John, um, mm. because he uh, I don't remember what happened. He gets pretty mortally wounded. Yes, um, but he's yeah, still yeah. alive. And this is just when Drake had bonded to the gun that raises the dead. Yes, and Bill John, being his friend, tells him we have to do this. You know what to do. Doesn't yeah. explicitly say it, um, which Drake has to kill his friend so yeah. that he can use the gun's power to bring him back. Oh, that's a as, good point. As I didn't... a golem. And then that's where the sneak attack happens. And yes. Bill John comes from behind and grabs the general while Drake shoots him. Yeah. Which yeah. I thought was super badass. I thought that was really cool. I didn't put that together. I thought what um, Bill John was saying was more about like a mercy killing, like put me out of my misery. No, he was saying like, I, I got it after. It like, was kind of a mercy, but also like a plea to like, give me the only life I can have. Yeah. Because like, he knows he's going to die and like maybe being in Gollum's cool. Yeah. I don't he know, did know he was, was... going to die because she had a, a a flash of. Yeah. Yeah. He for and... sure knew that he was going to die. Yeah. Um, and I mean, that's like, that's an issue six. And like, I mean, Bill John continues on through the series. Yeah. And just like, oh, wow. Yeah. I thought that was really cool. Um, one thing I found confusing was where did the widow go? Missy. She just sort of like disappeared. Yeah. She, she spoiler alert. She's not gone. No, I figured. Um, then we get a cool little episode epilogue that sort of, uh, sets up future storylines. And it's really cool reading this, like knowing what happens. Cause like when I first read this, I was like, Oh, who are these people? And now reading them like, Oh, those people. Mm. And they even mention names. Like in the first few pages of issue one, they mention a name. I'm like, Oh my God. I it, that, it becomes a big yeah deal. like that's a big deal yeah that's good that's good storytelling it. it's really really good 
So you have any overall thoughts, Jim? Yeah, I do have some overall thoughts. Um, at first, I was afraid because of the Western theme. Although I do like Western stuff, it, I find it usually a little hard to get into. There's only there's very few things like Western theme that I really liked. Um, but I thought um, I thought it was pretty easy to get into. Um, I really dug the artwork. It's very cartoony without being too kid friendly. Um, the use of supernatural in it makes the story way cooler. If it was just a Western, I wouldn't really be into it. Um, it feels like an adventure and it was a fun one. Yeah. I thought it was a fun story. I thought the writing was good. Um, nothing, either the writing or the artwork really blew me away as being like revolutionary or like genre defining. It's funny you say that if I could interrupt you for a second, Uh oh. because no, um, I'm just talking about the art style. Like we gushed about the art, but it's hard to tell like on an, an audio podcast if you're not looking at it um people who are familiar with comic books might understand this better but like a lot of times uh comic art especially now this is a relatively new comic they like to explore the medium see what boundaries can be pushed Mm -hmm. and like doing like weird frames and like you know like arms coming out of one frame going into another like these splash pages yeah and the cool thing about this that you don't notice right away like it's there if you're looking for it is that every single panel has a thick white border between it. There's nothing like genre bending. Well, he comics. does do one thing though that is so, interesting. What's that? At certain points, he goes to a double page spread. Yes, they, yeah, they do do that. But as far as the do panels do. go, which, which I don't know if that's the right term, but what I'm describing it for is. the audience is it's not when you're one, reading as like one big page, basically. Right. It's not one image that takes up two pages. Um, that's like a splash page. But what it means is when you read right to left, top to bottom. Instead of going through each left, page left, that right. way, I'm sorry, left to right, top to bottom, you go left to right across two pages before yeah. you go down. Yeah, they do have a couple of those, and they have some. Full and it page gives stuff. a more widescreen take because the panels become a little bit more panoramic. Right. So it, it's like he's playing within the boundaries of comics and still pulling it off. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's incredible visual storytelling. Yeah. Um. I thought one thing I was a little disappointed on, and maybe this is something that comes up in future arcs, is I was really excited about the use of Pinkerton agents in the first issue because that is a real world thing that has interested me and is weird. And they're like this weird, creepy organization from the Wild West. Um, I I was kind of disappointed they were reduced basically to henchmen. And even the general like makes fun of them and says like criticizes his wife of using them as protection or whatever as agents. So um, I don't know. Maybe that's something that comes back. I'm hopeful of that. Um, I did like how self-contained the story was, how at the end of six issues you get the conclusion, even though it's probably not the very end of some of these characters, especially the the widow. Um, I thought that was fun. It reminded me of like a Western TV show. Yeah, or like a movie. Like, you know there's going to be a sequel, but like the movie is one story. Yeah. Um, A lot of it reminded me it was very of its genre especially like the western elements not so much the um more like weird stuff the fantasy stuff but um a lot of it reminded me of the western stuff from westworld i don't know if either of you guys watched mm-hmm. that i haven't i watched the first season yeah so i don't want to spoil it but there's a character in westworld that's very reminiscent of general hume and also there's some moments that remind me a lot of the film the quick and the dead if you've ever seen that russell crowe plays mm-hmm. a character who is basically part of the bad guy's gang but has since reformed and then through circumstances is forced to come to battle with him um anyways uh like i said 
not revolutionary, but fun and overall good. <laughs> How Dan? long are you going to pause there, Jeff? <laughs> it's it's all for dramatic effect. Okay. Dan, Jimmy, did I talk you into the sixth gun? Yes. Oh, I knew it. Yeah. It's it's almost like too easy because it's so good, right? It's good. It's really good. I, I'm not as in love with it as you are. Like you put it in one of your like top ten comics, so I I don't think I'm there. I probably would have been a no if I didn't know that it was already over and self contained. Right. Mm. Because I think I could get through it. You know, it's something that I would like to download and have like on my Kindle, like the um, you know, the digital comic. Right. And just flip through when I have some downtime, whatever. As it goes on, you get more connected to the characters. Yeah. And um, it's just it's just great. I think it's perfectly balanced between great writing, great art from, you know, the pencils to the inks to the great. colorist to the letterer. Mm. It's just it, it's it highlights what makes comics good. Mm. And I'm so glad you guys liked it. <laughs> yeah. I will say, um, although I don't know how the, the series ends, I'm very interested in how it ends. But I would love to see a modern day take, uh, like a sequel of what. Uh, yeah, that would be cool. Oh, with like Berettas? Yeah. I mean, or like um, six machine guns? Yeah. The unfortunate thing is that they made a pilot and it never got picked up and I don't oh, think really? you can see it. Oh, really? Yeah, that sucks. which kind of stinks. Because yeah. like it, it is, it's a great idea for a series. But um, okay, so that's the six gun. Yeah. yeah. Dan. Yeah. What are we going to talk Jimmy into? next week well i'm glad you asked jeff are you that glad i am next week we are talking jimmy into an animated series of our youth wow i don't know about you but i was very into at the time at the time yeah i definitely watched it all the time it was a character that came from other shows we like we'll get into that more but yeah i was very into it it's a television show called daria oh yeah it's an animated series that ran on mtv for several seasons um as Jeff mentioned, she was spun off from Beavis, Beavis and Butthead, Beavis right? And Butthead. She was a minor yep. character in there. Um, you know, it's a little topical. It came up in mind because I hear that they're going to be doing a Daria spinoff sometime in the near future about one of her friends from the show. So I'm sure we'll talk about that mm-hmm. more in the main episode. But it's a very fun. Uh, it's sort of a more modern tele- animated television show than people give it credit for. It's definitely more adult oriented. It uses a lot of sarcasm and dark comedy. And uh, yeah, it is available streaming on Hulu. Mm-hmm. And I am asking you guys to watch season one, episodes one through six. Okay. I'm looking forward to revisiting this. Yeah. And I a- hope that Jimmy likes it because Jimmy so far on uh, talking me into, uh, you can tell he likes coming of age stuff. He likes high school stories. I do, yeah. And I mean, this is. One of the more high accurate high school stuff. Yeah, and it, it was... I had friends like Daria. <laughs> and it takes place when I was in high school as well, so... No. Middle school. Though. We'll get yeah. into it. <laughs> so, yeah, six episodes, but they're half an hour animated. It's a pretty quick watch. You can okay. Sh- stream them on Hulu. I have the DVD set. Um, yeah, so audience, check out Daria. If you've never seen it, I think you'll be present, pleasantly surprised. It definitely has modern-day television takes package in a 90s or early 2000s cartoon cool in the meantime jimmy where can they find the podcast online they can find the podcast at talk me into on twitter talk me into on facebook all that fun stuff and also if you feel so inclined you can send us an email at talk me into at gmail.com yeah yeah (laughs) 
Where can they find you personally? Yeah. Me personally? Yeah, yeah. They can find me at son of a yeah. fitch, S-O-N-N-A-V-A-F-I-T-C-H. I don't know why that's so funny. On Twitter and Instagram. Um, yeah, Jeff, where can people find you? They can find me cooking paella with the boys on patreon.com slash talk me into. Oh, good plug. And on Twitter at J-E-F-F-F-F-F-27. Jeff with five Fs. The number, number 27. 27. Dan. Yeah, you could find me on Twitter at Danny underscore breakdown, and you could read my film reviews on letterbox.com slash Danny Breakdown. Thank you for listening to Talk Me Into. What will we talk you into next? You're standing on my neck. Do you want me to start this episode or I don't care? I mean, it's my topic, but who the f cares? I don't care. I don't care. I don't care about you. Talk me into caring. <laughs> oh, I got to find a random fact. Oh my God, you oh, guys. so do I. Jesus. <laughs> I, I was like so worried about having a talking myself into it. I forgot about a random fact. Um, oh, f- I forgot. Just I was supposed to write page. some more. Look, I have a document. I have three of them, but they're all shitty. I have a bunch. Want to take one of mine? I have three each. <laughs> yeah, I'll take one of yours. Hi, my name is I Jimmy, can, and I was born I in can give you 1987. That's no, fine. Uh, uh, this one's embarrassing, but... Fuck those are the cares. good ones. Yeah. Wait, I forgot how we start this show. <laughs> you want me to start it? That's why you always mess up, because you don't have the freaking script in front of you. <laughs> Welcome to Talk Me Into. No. <clears throat> yeah, I'll bring us back. Okay. Okay. What is this, the Jeff podcast? Well, no, this is how we do it. This is how we do the it. The person talking to other people into brings back this segment. This is how we do it. Oh my God, we're back again. Gonna talk you into the six gun. Are we recording? Yeah, that's going. What was that embarrassing thing that you said before? We're definitely keeping that. No, we don't want that on the microphone. We're good. Well, we're just going to keep that intro. That was good, right? I'm going to talk you guys into the sixth gun. Let's do this. (laughs)